was better. That was good. That was good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Um, man, it has been a long week. Um, I don't know for you. Um, I know for me, it's been a, been a long week. I don't know. They keep deciding that um, I'm good working like 10 hours into like 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and, and I'll say, you meet the most interesting people <laughs> at 2 o'clock when City Walk closes and stuff. So, so it's always a joy, and it's plenty of sermon material every single week. So, <laughs> so, so but I'm, I'm really glad to be here this morning. You know, one of the things I love about um, getting up and preaching um, every single Sunday, and, get, and I do love wh- what I do. I love getting up and being able to do this, and, and one of the things I love about it is that as I'm studying and, and I'm reading and stuff, God is just showing me new things and, and stuff ab- about myself and about the world around me. One of the things I hate about preaching every single Sunday and studying God's Word is that He shows me new things and stuff about myself. That I don't always I always like to see, and, and everything. And this this has been that one of those weeks where God is just revealing me. So I don't know if this sermon is more for you or it's just for me, um, but either way, um, it's His words, and and so um, we 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 are going to kind of like go through this and, and do this. And so as we continue through the Book of Acts um, this morning, um, I just encourage you open your Bibles to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. Um, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available for you. Um, just grab one of those. Um, if you don't have one, take that. That's yours. That's a gift to you. If you like to use our electronic devices, um, you can sign into our Wi-Fi, GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and, and you can join uh, along with us. Um, and uh, there's just something about holding God's Word in your hand, whether it's on a phone or tablet or it's in the book form. It's just something about holding God's word in hand because really, especially this morning, these are the only words that matter. <laughs> they're, they're the only ones. They're the only reason I get to get up here every single week. And so I'm going to ask you out of respect and, and acknowledgement for the authorities, if you'll just stand for me as we read in Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Luke writes this, he says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms for those entering the temple. (coughs) Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come together to open your word. God, to hear from you. And God, that's what we need so desperately. God, no one needs to hear from me. We need to hear from you this morning. God, we need a word. God, a word of encouragement, a a word of change. God, that you would speak. God, let this morning be about you and not me. 
Let these be your words, not mine. God, I pray, I ask that, God, this morning you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond. Father, that we would be different because we are in your presence. God, whatever's going on in our lives, Father, I pray right now that you would calm hearts, settle us, and speak to us now. God, that you would do a work that none of us could have ever imagined or dreamed of. And that you would get all the glory for it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So let me ask you something real quick, just a question. And, you know, um, if you've been here for a while, you understand that I, I get pretty transparent about, like, where I am and stuff. Because, and one, I want you to know that these things that I, I deal with, I struggle with. Because I think so many times we go to church and we look at the pastor and say, oh, he's got it made. And, stuff, and I'm just, that is the farthest from the truth. Um, and there is no one more important in a church than anybody else. Only one most important is Jesus because he's the head. And so it is all about our own journeys. It's all about us kind of traveling together and growing. And I just get to get up and talk about it and stuff. And, and if you would like to get up and air your dirty laundry, I'll let you. Come on. And, and don't, don't point at people. Don't, don't like, you know, don't point at people. But I want to ask you, um, have you ever played the game um, If Only? You know, when we start getting again, if only I had this, then this would happen. If only I had done this, then, then this would happen. Or if only this, or if only that. But we get into that mindset of like, if only. Like, like there, we need something more. If, if I had more, you know, and, and I got to be honest with you, I play that game. It's not a good game. It's a hard game because, you know, a lot of times I'll sit here and go like, well, if only like we, you know, if only we had more people or a larger space or a bigger budget and we could do more. Or if only, you know, this had happened and then then this would happen and all that stuff. And we get locked into the idea of what we don't have instead of looking at what we do have so often. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's just a cultural thing and everything, but I just I think it's a human thing. And, and I think it draws from the idea from originally that there was so much more God wanted for us. There was so much more, and that is still placed in it. I think that's what I'm starting to understand what Solomon said. He says he's placed eternity in every man's heart. Now, we understand that there's supposed to be more. There's supposed to be a lot more. There's supposed to be more of a relationship, more of his presence, more of all this. There's just supposed to be more. And so we get there and we start going, well, if there's not more, then look, this is all I have. And then so often we get stuck there. And when all we're looking at is what we don't have, we don't do anything with what God has given us already. And I think it's really interesting that with these guys, these apostles... They had learned this pretty, pretty quick because they weren't that great at it before. And we'll look at that a little bit later. But the very first thing they noticed is, man, they noticed a need. Look back at Acts chapter 3. Verse 1 again. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. You know, it's kind of later in the afternoon. They had prayers at the temple all the time. And, and they were going there. And I want you to understand and remember that the early church, the story that's continuing on church, started 
really as they were meeting in the temple because that's the only place they had. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have programs. They didn't have PowerPoint. Anything. They kind of came together because the temple was kind of the central place. It was the church. And by the way, one day if you're coming to Tuesday nights, you'll find out that the temple is going to be the central place again. And so they're going all anew, and as they go, they see a man, in verse 2 it says, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the, at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. This was really part of Jewish law. This was part of like normal thing. Like people in need, they would just sit at one of the gates at one of the temples, and we're not really sure which is the Beautiful Gate, which gate this is. We just know he's at a gate, and I don't think it matters really which gate. I just love that they call it the beautiful gate because something beautiful was about to happen. But day after day, it says he was lame since birth. And so everybody had seen this guy. Everyone that came to the temple probably saw him every single day. Just sitting there. And all he was doing is like, hey, I need a little help. I need some help. This is the only way I can get food. This is the only way I can survive and stuff. And just asking alms. And, and, and how many times, I wonder, people like just got so used to seeing him there that they just walked by. Like, oh, there's Bill again. Okay, you know, I don't think Bill's a Hebrew name, but we'll call him Bill. In verse 3, it says, Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as to John, and said, Look at us. I, I love the idea that Peter and John, here they are. They're doing the normal thing, but they notice. They notice a need. How often do we dismiss the needs around us? How often do we see that person kind of standing on the corner over by Walmart that says, you know, I'm homeless and stuff like that? And, and it's gone through my mind. It says, well, if I give them five bucks, you know, they're just they're going to go buy some drugs. Or they're going to buy alcohol and stuff. By the way, that's not up to us. That's never up to us. We have no idea what God is going to do. But if we get so busy with our holy huddle, if we get so busy about like, hey, let's just be a church and let's be together, and we're not noticing any needs out there, then we are in fear, we are in trouble of not being a church anymore. Because even in the midst and all the busyness, Peter and John, they noticed the need. They looked and they saw and they were aware of the surroundings. And I think of anybody that should be aware of our surroundings, it should be followers of Christ. If you don't believe me, look in the Gospels. Look, every time Jesus was always busy, always crowded, people were always seeking him, and every time when he saw a need or he heard a need, he took time to stop. Over and over again, Jesus is in one town. The, the religious leader of the town, his daughter is sick, and they're trying to rush him over there and try to help him. And in the midst of it, some lady just grabs his cloak to get healing, has faith enough to grab his cloak, and he stops and he acknowledges her. The end of his life, he's headed to Jerusalem, and he's, he's going there, and they're on a mission. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's fulfilling what, his, what he was born to do. He's coming there, and some guy on the side says, you know, hey, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Everybody tells him to shut up, but Jesus stops. How often do we just walk by? How often do we just say, no? And, and I, think, I think I know why. I think sometimes we get to that place and we're like, I really can't do any good anyway, right? I mean, what I'm going to do is really not going to make a difference. It, it, it's not, it's not going to change anything. And so I love 
Peter and John's response. Look at verse, look at verse um, 6. They got his attention. They noticed him. And then verse 6, here's what Peter says. He's, Peter says, I have no silver. I have no gold. But what I do have, I give to you. I just want you to stop there for a second. Peter wasn't broke. And this isn't a statement that says, listen, we shouldn't do anything for people. We don't give them any money or anything. But what Peter is saying, right now, I don't have what I probably need to help you, what you think you need to help you. I don't have this. But what I do have, I'm going to give. I'm, I'm going to give what I have. And maybe that's, I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what, what it seems so small and so insignificant. But this is what I have and I'm going to give you. And look what happens. Look at verse 7. Or continue that. He says, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and, his feet and ankles were made strong. It's this beautiful picture of Peter and John sitting there going, listen, we don't have all the treasury of the temple. We don't have like a fancy building. And we don't have like all this other stuff or all these great programs. But what I do have, I give you. You want to know an ongoing theme throughout all of scripture? that marks someone that follows God is the idea of generosity. And unfortunately, we've made generosity about money. We've made it about resources. Where most of the time, what all people really need is just some acknowledgement and someone to say, hey, listen, I don't have much. I don't really have anything that's going to make a huge difference with what I do have. I'm going to give you. God, this is all I have. This is all that I own. This is all that I can do. This is all I can afford. This, whatever. But I'm just going to give that. And the good news is that the God who is the source of every resource takes this little offering that we give him and he changes everything with it. This isn't about being shown or like how big or how powerful or, you know, I mean, just just chapters before we talked about thousands of people came to know Christ. Peter speaks one time and thousands of people. You would think like, OK, now they got committees and elder boards and deacons and and now they're going to have all kinds. They'll have like they didn't look at him and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to bring this back to my group and we'll we'll have a, we'll have a business meeting. And we'll put it in the hands of the stewardship committee, and they're going to decide how much money we can give you to help you. That was none of that stuff. I feel like for me and for most of us, we, we always just wait. He says, you know, one day, if only I have this, when I get that, then I can do this. Can, can I tell you something? If, if you're not generous with your time, with your resources and stuff now, it doesn't matter how much you get in the future. Because if you're not generous now, you won't be generous then. God, I'll, I'll share the gospel. I'll do that. But man, uh, let me go on a mission trip first. I used to love that. It, used to, it was one of the most annoying things to me in youth ministry ever. It would just frustrated the snot out of me and, and everything. Because kids would go to like on mission trips and then they were godly kids and they were doing great things. And they're like, oh, they were telling everybody on the street. I'm like, cool, let's go back and do that. Like, oh, it's not the same. I can't do that here. I'm like, then you really didn't do it there. <clears throat> it, it's this idea that, man, I just, I may not have much to offer 
But God is the one that just takes whatever we give and multiplies it. It's about being obedient. I don't have the right words to say. How about these? Jesus loves you. <laughs> wow, you just shared a major part of the gospel. Things are a little tight this month. And, I, and I, this, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not trying to make anybody like, hey, open your wallets. and let, let's, uh, Because this isn't about that. It's about us just saying, God, whatever we have, we're going to give you and we're going to let you do with whatever you can do with it, which is limitless. You know, and I know we read this and it says, yeah, but those are the apostles. I mean, look, they healed a guy. I don't know. I mean, you walk around the street going like, oh, you don't have any legs. You're going to have legs. I mean, God can do that. I believe that all my heart. God can still heal people, but you're going to look kind of weird probably. It's not about doing something dramatic or anything. It's just about saying, listen, this is what I have. This is all I have, and I'm just going to give it to God. By the way, the apostles didn't get this right away. You know, we get to see the after effect. We get to see now they understand what's going on and, and everything. Because just, just a little while before this, maybe a year or two before this, they had no clue. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. bet you've heard this story. Luke chapter 9 and verse 10 about the feeding of 10,000 or feeding of 5,000. By the way, I just want you to know, like, wow, that's really impressive. Uh, sorry, ladies, but during, like, the times that the Bible was written, they only counted men. So it's actually, say, Jesus feeds probably 10 to 15,000. But, but look at this story. It says, on the return, the apostles told him all they had done. They had just come back. Jesus had sent them out, and they came back. And he took them and withdrew, withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned, they followed him and welcomed them. And, and he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Jesus never, never stopped doing what he was sent here to do. Now look at verse 12. It says, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said, Send the crowd away to go into surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. They're like, Jesus, this is awesome. You're doing a great job. Great sermon. It's powerful. Man, it's really good. But man, these people are hungry. Send them away. Help them out. And I love what Jesus says in 13. He says, But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Don't you love that? Jesus, here's a problem. We've got probably like 10, 15,000 people here listening to you, and it's awesome. It's a great service. Man, we record numbers. We're doing good. Should we take up an offering? I don't know. This is great, but look at it. But, but you're a little, you were a little long-winded today. As most, I, just, I just want you to know it's, it's a pastoral thing and stuff. So whenever I go over, it's biblical. Because <laughs> you, you're a little long-winded. They're, they're going to be hungry, and we, we can't feed them. And I love it. Jesus like, all right, cool. They're hungry? Feed them. How many times does God ask us to do something that just seems impossible? Or we think is impossible. God, God's like, hey, go share the gospel to every person in four corners. Let every person hear the good news of Jesus. 
Uh, that's a lot of people, God. There's like 30,000 people five miles from here. I mean, I, you know, God, you need to send more people. You need to say, and we do need more people, and we need more churches and everything. But, but you need to, And he calls us to do this stuff, and we sit there and look at their response. You give them something, and they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. Jesus, I, you got a hidden stash of money somewhere? I mean, I can order pizza. Okay, how many? That's like, okay, two slices per 15,000. Okay, we need to order at least like 8,000 pizzas. Does Domino's deliver out here? I mean, do you got, you got a credit card? I mean, because what do you mean us feed them? We, we can't do this. This is all we have. I love it when God shows up like that. Where he just looks at it and, he, I, and I almost think there's like a smile on his face every time. I literally feel like when God just placed on our hearts to plant this church and say, hey, let's go down there and plant a church and in and, and a hard area to plant churches and, and do all this. And, and man, it's going to be tough and you're going to get frustrated and it, it's going to be exhausting and, and you're going to do this. And I almost feel like there's just a smile on God's face. He's like, this is going to be so good. <laughs> Watch this. See, the problem is, though, we step into faith, and we step out in faith, but as soon as we step out, a lot of times we sit there and go, like, oh, wait a minute, this is too much. I can't do this. You can't do this. I can't, I can't reach everyone. I can't, I can't. What? Maybe I heard you wrong. That, that's our favorite prayer, isn't it? God, maybe, maybe I heard you wrong. I, and maybe I thought, because maybe that's what I wanted, and we start questioning, but God, if only you would do this, if only you would give us this and that, then man, oh wow, well, how awesome would that be? If, if we could just have this huge like beacon building with, with a spotlight, like, like at Islands of Adventure that just flash around, and it writes, Jesus, Jesus is here in the sky, and then we could have lasers and a band and like a drum set that sits up there and rotates god we could reach so many people i remember for years i said god you called me to be a fisherman if i had a boat you know how many people i could meet god i'd take people fishing every day and tell them about you i mean we always feel like man we need we need something more we need we need something more and jesus is like just give what you have Just give what you have, and I'll do the rest. Because look what he does. With five loaves and two fishes. Verse 14 says, For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to the disciples, All right, fine. You, I'll show you again. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Here's the deal about God. One, we can never outgive him. Two, when he shows up, the need is going to be met, and all we have to do is be obedient. It doesn't matter what we don't think we have or what we think we need. All we have to do is say, God, here's, you say you want more from me, you want more for me, so here's all I have. Here's my little bit of mud pie. You who created the sun by speaking it into existence. 
spoke the universe into existence, just spoke a word and stars exploded and they all came into existence. You who are the source of every resource, this is all I have and it's just a little bit of mud pie. It's all I can give. And God says, I will take that and I will feed everyone who needs to be fed. And not only that, there's going to be leftovers. So we'll have lunch on the way to the next city tomorrow. See, we get so wrapped up into all of this. Because the truth is, is when, when, when God shows up and God wants to do something, whether it's in a church of 3,000 or it's a church of 30 or it's with one person, it's not about us. It's not about us. Listen, we could have we could have moved down here, started this church, and had like a half a million dollars and or a million dollars and bought a building and did all this and and hired a complete staff and, and done all this great stuff and people would have showed up because it's something new and they're like, okay, this looks kind of cool and all this stuff. But who would have got credit for that? See, the point is, is we don't have anything to offer God. We really we come to the table empty-handed. He held all the cards. He held everything. Jesus, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Jesus died for us. When we had nothing to offer him, nothing at all, it was all on God's shoulders. It was all in God's heart. He says, I provide everything. All you have to do is just be obedient and walk through it. All you have to do is come because in the end, it's not about us. It's not about Grace Baptist being the biggest Baptist church in Florida and like the fastest growing, all this stuff. It's not about you being the greatest evangelist that the world has ever seen or the greatest missionary. It's not about anything. It's not about our glory. It's for God's glory. That's why Paul later on would write in 1 Corinthians, he says, For consider your calling. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Listen, my last name is not Graham. Your last name is not Graham. I mean, if you, if it's like, Billy, that's my granddaddy. Yeah, that's good. That, that's instant. Not many of us came with a ton of resources. Not many of us came with a ton of all kinds of stuff. What the world would say, this is what success is. And that's the problem, too. We measure our success according to what the world says success is. Instead of God's success rate and his measurement is simple. It's obedience. That success, were you obedient? Are you being obedient? That is success. We trust God for us, but look what he does all that. It says, for, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Because it's not about us. If you're frustrated in your faith this morning, I put to you that maybe you've made your faith more about you than you've made it about God. I know I do that. I, t I talk to all people all the time and just hear what's going on in other places. I'm like, well, that's not happening here. That's not happening with me. We make it more about us. In fact, I was reading um, Oswald Chambers, who's one of my favorite writers. He writes this book, My Utmost for His Highest. And I don't know what day it was this week, but I was reading, and he says, you know, too often we spend more time asking God for his gifts than asking him for his presence. 
God isn't about us just seeing. Listen, God's goal for us is not to be all like super successful in the world's eyes and everything. And that is his goal for some people. And he sets them up like that. But he sets them up for like that for his own glory. Listen, we've got to be more concerned about being in God's presence. We've got to be more concerned about knowing God. I thought I understood what contentment means. and that What contentment means is I'm content in knowing God and God alone. Even if it means nothing else. That's what we're called to do. It's for his glory. And so whatever we have, we give. Because look what happens. Look back at Acts. Look at verse 8. Peter just said, man, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. I give you Jesus. And look what happens. It says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. When we do the stuff that God has called us to do, when we're obedient to that, then I'm going to tell you, it's going to point to God every time. If it doesn't, I don't think it's of God. You know, my my wife always my wife always gets on to me a little bit because I pray these like crazy dangerous prayers because they sound really cool in scripture. <laughs> you know, like God do things in such a way that you're the only one that can get credit that there's no doubt that 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 it's you. Which means that I am completely helpless. God, unless you show up in this. And God, I'm a, I'm a good old southern boy. I was raised by a West Virginia hillbilly. And so in the months that I'm looking at, and I'm looking at bank accounts and everything, saying, man, we, ooh, we're not going to make it. <laughs> this is going, what, okay, let me go do this. I'll do that. I'll sell a kidney. That'll be good. I think I can put that on Craigslist. I only need one. So we'll, we'll do this. And God's like, no, no, you wanted me to get glory. You can't, you can't fix this. That's the faith we're called to. That's the faith that changes everything for us and for everyone else. I pray prayers like, Jesus, I want to know the power of your resurrection. Man, that power, man, we've been talking about that same power that raised you from the dead fills us. And, and we see people like Peter standing up and thousands of people getting saved and, and, and all this stuff. And, and, and churches exploding. I, I want the power, but there's a second part of the verse. And the fellowship of your suffering. Next week we're going to find out that Peter was doing a great job preaching, but he was about to find out what it was going to cost. I, I just want you to know, obedience to God costs something in this world. If it cost Jesus his life, what do you think it could cost us? I mean, I, I've told you, anybody, you go to any church and they just says, listen, if you just have enough faith and you trust God and you pray and you show up, then God's going to bless you with a jet plane and a big boat and a big house. God bless you. You just need to have enough faith. I just want to grab those people and like, I want a bigger Bible than this. I'm like, come here. <laughs> it doesn't say that in there. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. If it hates me, it's going to hate you. And so obedience comes with a cost. And we're going to see that in the coming weeks, the cost of. But it starts with us just being obedient. It starts with us just stepping up and saying, Lord, this is all I have. Take all of it. Faith is meant to be lived out open-handed. It's meant to live down and say, God, here's my heart, here's my dreams, here's my hopes, here's everything I want. 
You do with what you do with whatever brings you the most glory. I mean, I pray every week. I pray this prayer, and, and you probably aren't going to like this, but I pray this prayer every single week. Like God, if I'm the one in the way of this church growing, then remove me because I don't want this to be about me ever. If I'm in the way of anything, God, if if this is not where I'm, so I don't. I want to be where you're moving, God. I want to be where I'm the most fruitful for you i want to be where you can use me the best whatever that looks like and everything now i'm not quitting i'm just telling you i pray that every week because that's really my heart because i'm learning as i'm going through this is that it's more about being obedient to god and being in his presence because when we do that that's when we hear at the end of time at the end of life well done good and faithful servant He's not going to pull up a ledger at that moment and say, okay, let me see. How, mu- how much did you give? How much did you pray? You read the Bible how many times? Ooh, one short. It's all done. So pretty good, good and faithful servant. <laughs> no, it's either well done or it's undone. And it's well done when we're obedient. That's all it is. But I just I w- I want to I give you a warning, though. Just because you do things God's way doesn't mean that it's always going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. I think God likes that. I mean, remember just a few weeks ago, we, we t- Peter stood up and he preached at Pentecost and thousands of people came. He just spoke and people came. It was awesome. Here, he heals somebody lame from birth that can't walk. He's dancing around. And look at, look at verse 9 and 10, what it says. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who set the beautiful gate of the temple. They knew who this guy was. They saw him like, oh my gosh, he's walking now. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know something missing there? And they all got saved and baptized and joined the church. It didn't say that. See, the fact is, is everybody likes a good show. They really do. I mean, that's Disney Universal. That's how they make their money. I, any church that thinks they're going to outdo Disney, I'd like to see their budget. Because <laughs> you, you're just not. Because we love a good show. And my prayer for us is that this is never just a good show. See, because when God shows up, we start dancing, we start praising. We're changed. And just because that's happening here, just because God's moving here, and I believe God is moving here, doesn't mean that everybody outside is going to look and say, oh, okay, automatically, let's show up and be this. Because all we're called to do is be obedient. All we're called to do is to sacrifice. God, this is what I have. This is all I have. God, I want to be a tither, and so I'm going to start giving, God, but in my budget, this is what I can do right now, and I'm going to trust you that I can do more and more and more. I'm going to start somewhere. God, there's a neighbor down the street that they're just ornery and and nasty and mean, and I just, God, give me ways to serve and love on that person. God, there are people around my work that are annoying, (laughs) and they're crazy. And I just want to lay hands on them in a very biblical Old Testament way. <laughs> but God, help me to love them. And I was challenged to my core this week 
when a guy that just could barely walk is this close from my face, just getting rude and everything, and I'm just like, Lord, tie my hands and guard my tongue right now. See, because it's easy to love each other. It's easy to love and be nice to one another in the church because, you know, this is the most loving church that I've ever been a part of. I mean, you guys hug and you're welcoming and, and, and everything. And we love kids that are yelling. We love kids. I don't, we don't care. We just, we're a family and stuff. And family is messy. If your family's not messy, then I just challenge you to stop lying. <laughs> Raise your hand if your family's not messy. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Because <laughs> it's messy. Life is messy. And so the church is going to be messy because we're a family. And so, so I love that. I, I love that we are just all in this together and everything. But the fact is, it's still just about our obedience. It's still just about us saying, listen, God, this is all we have. And God, if that's 25 people, then that's 25 people. If that's 2,500 people, that's 2,500 people. Whatever it is, God, we just want to be faithful. Because all we have, you can take this. And you can change this world. But we have to be giving. We have to be willing saying, okay, I'm in. I'm in. A great missionary. David Livingston said this. He says, do not think me mad. It is not to make money that I believe a Christian should live. The noblest thing a man can do is just humbly to receive and then go amongst others and give. Whether you, your bank accounts are full or they're empty, whether your time is maxed out, you still have something to give. And when we're obedient to that, when we are just giving ourselves away like that, God can change everything. I think God will change everything. Whether you feel like it or not. This morning, if you, if you were just, man, I just want to see God move in my life. He may be asking you to do something small that nobody else is going to notice, but he'll notice. God makes much out of our little. Every time. This morning, I just want to, I want to give us a chance to respond to this. I, I want to give us a chance just to, to say, all right, God, that's all I have. Will you just take it? Will you use it? Will you do something with it? I'm going to trust you for the outcome. And maybe this morning that's like, man, Pastor, you don't know my life. I've, I've made so many mistakes. I've done so many things. I have, I have nothing of value to God. If that was true, Jesus would have never have died. Every one of us have value because God loves us. That's why we have value. And maybe it's just starting there. All right, God, I give you my life. All I have right now. I just give you my life and we start there. For the rest of us that have been going through this and, and being a church and, and all this stuff, and we're like, okay, this is good, I'm comfortable and stuff. Um, 
By the way, I was reminded past last week from a friend that nowhere in the Bible does it say to be comfortable. In fact, the term comfort zone is not anywhere in Scripture. God does his best work when we step out of that. Because that's where he gets the most glory. And maybe you and I, we've gotten comfortable in places and we're like, okay, God, I need to step out. I don't know what this looks like, but I'm just going to trust you. Whatever it is, I just want to give you a chance to respond to that this morning. I want us to leave changed. I want God to take the little that we have and change everything for his glory, not ours. Let's pray.